We're in the middle of the series called In This House. And today I want to talk to you about the subject of everyone going. Think of that word, everyone. Everyone is important in the house of God. Everyone, no matter who you are, no matter how old you are, no matter what your background is, no matter your past, no matter your age, no matter who you are, the word everyone is something that I want to focus on today. This sermon, more than the rest of the series, I think really comes to a crossroads of a Christian, a Jesus follower, and their participation with God. You see, in fact, Jesus made it very clear as the church was being birthed that you and I have an assignment. Jesus had been crucified here in Acts chapter number one. He had rose again. He was about to return to heaven. And he spent 40 days with his disciples before he went to heaven. And in the 40 days, you're going to see in Acts 1 that right up front, he gives us an assignment that we are responsible for as Jesus followers, people that are connected to his house. He told them during these 40 days, they would receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Now think about this as you think of the story in the book of Acts, how the church was started. Many times we don't connect the fact that they were real people too. And maybe you can imagine the confusion. Jesus had been on earth for 33 years. Maybe confusion that he died, he was crucified. And then the, the emotional roller coaster of he rose again, now there's hope again. And then all of a sudden after he rose, then he tells them, I'm leaving you in 40 days. And there's some things I want to tell you before I leave. For 40 days, I believe that he spoke to them about the kingdom of God. And he talked about the kingdom of God and the church's part in the kingdom of God. He told them that they would receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Pastor Matt talked about this last week in this passage of Scripture, about the Holy Spirit and his presence and how important it is to empty ourselves and let him fill you and lead you in life. And so... Jesus told them that I would give you the Holy Spirit. In a couple of days that he had promised. But as you could imagine, think about this. Questions had to be on their mind. As a human being, if you were seeing Jesus and you lived in their day as the start of the church and questions had to be in their mind about what is going on. In fact, they even ask a question that is put into the text in Acts chapter number one, one question in particular I thought was not a bad question. It wasn't even a bad question. They simply asked him, is now the time that we would be let go of bondage in the Roman Empire? You see, these disciples have been in bondage in the Roman Empire and they have been suppressed for many, many decades and, and years. And one of the exciting things was as 
Would we no longer be in bondage in the Roman Empire? And I thought that was a pretty decent question. Have you ever asked, had someone ask some pretty dumb questions? Where you wish, turn the microphone off, we don't want your question. This was a pretty decent question. Jesus, we want to follow you. Jesus, we're your disciples. Jesus, we, we want to know you more. But it would sure be a lot easier if we could do this out of bondage. That's fair, right? And so when they asked that question, Jesus told them it was not for them to be concerned with. He told them it was not time for them to know, and, but it was time for the Holy Spirit to arrive. It was not time yet for God's millennial reign, but they would shortly realize the power of the kingdom through the Holy Spirit in their life. We pick up the story in Acts chapter number 1 and verse number 6. In Acts 1 and verse number 6, the Bible says this. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? Here's their question. It's their question about bondage with the Roman Empire. It's their question about life and the kingdom. And as you can imagine, the confusion, they wanted to follow Jesus, but they had so many questions. Have you ever found yourself with so many questions of what's going on in your life? You want to follow Jesus, but yet, mm, I just don't understand what you're trying to do in my life. Then you see in verse 7, he said to them, it is not for you to know times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Empowered by the Spirit, Jesus right up front shared with the disciples their assignment. Their assignment was what we call in the New Testament the Great Commission. In Matthew chapter number 28 and verse number 18, it says, Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And then he says this, go, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. They were to be witnesses to proclaim him and make kingdom disciples in Jerusalem in obedience to the great commission of the Bible. Right up front, we see what the church's assignment was to be. Their assignment has been passed down to the church today, the body of believers, the Jesus followers. We are to be a witness everywhere we go, and everyone going was the plan. Church has become a lot of things to different people. People choose churches because of programs. People choose churches before, because of different emphasis, but Truly the assignment of the church, no matter the style or method of the church, was for us to be effective in being the witness for Jesus Christ. I looked up the definition of witness, and I love this part. The definition of witness, it means evidence, proof. Think about that, evidence, proof. 
It convicted me for the last couple weeks. I've asked myself this question that I want to share with you today, and I want to ask you this question. And that question is, if your witness determined if they believed in Jesus, would there be proof enough? If they were the only thing between them and Jesus, if you were the only witness, if, if you were the only contact between them and knowing who Jesus is and, and knowing about their home that could be in heaven and knowing about the great healer and the great miracle worker and, and the person who gave them eternal life, would your witness be enough? That's con- convicting to me because I started to realize the last couple of weeks that me and you are supposed to be the proof of who Jesus is, the proof that his love and grace is real, the proof that he is alive, the proof that it's not just religion, but it's a relationship. We, every day of our life, have an opportunity to show a lost and dying world that there is hope and that hope is in Jesus Christ. We're supposed to be the proof that Jesus exists. We're to be the proof who Jesus is, and we're to be proof of the unconditional love and the saving grace of King Jesus. But here's what I've come to understand. I've come to understand through the years is that we are not seeing supernatural transformation because we seem to not grasp or we have forgotten our assignment in the house. We have forgotten or we have not grasped that We are to be a witness wherever we go. The assignment of the church of God, big or small, is to be an effective witness so that others may know who Jesus is and the proof of your life and how you respond to circumstances and how you respond to things in life is the proof that is needed to follow Jesus. There is a difference between a witness and an effective witness witness. I asked my friend, who is a lawyer, who and what, how is someone an effective witness when it comes to winning your case? Here's his answer. Someone close to the situation with firsthand eyewitness knowledge, with no agenda but just presenting what happened. Also, a secondary verification. An example would be a document. Let that sink in. Let that sink in on the screen. Here is a lawyer in the court of law who is telling us how he win a case by being an effective witness. Notice the words, no agenda. Just an eyewitness and not only an eyewitness, but to have a document. And I thought about this. That's just like the life of a Jesus follower when they are showing proof who Jesus is. We show proof when we're just an eyewitness of what God's done in our life, an eyewitness of the healing, transformational power, an eyewitness of the salvation, saving grace, an eyewitness in the midst of a circumstance or a storm, an eyewitness account of who Jesus is. But then there's a document that goes along with the proof, which is God's Word. And here's the difference in experiential truth 
with truth that is absolute. You see, we look and we learn from the absolute truth of God's Word. We go and be proof of who He is by not just experiencing things emotionally, but being founded on the absolute truth of life, even in the midst of a pandemic, even in the midst of health issues, even in the midst of sorrow. We have hope and we show proof who Jesus is because our life is not of this world. It's in Him, Jesus Christ. And so as we look at the effective witness, we were not assigned to figure out the signs and the times. When things happen like this, people in a pandemic and unrest and any event in life, many times people always look for signs. And don't get me wrong, I believe that there can be signs, but our total focus should not be the signs of the time. Our focus is not to change men and women. Our assignment is not to put our life into politics. And our assignment is not to put our life into living a good life. Our assignment is not anything else you can think of, but our assignment is for us to be a witness. And those that I just named are just means to an end to let other people know who Jesus really is. So an effective witness is important because it's every believer's assignment. You see, being an effective witness means focusing on only what you can control. Focusing only on what you can control. It's amazing to me, I'm guilty of this, I'm sure you are too, in the room and online. It's, it's sometimes hard for me not to control outcomes. And you look at verse number six and seven in Acts one. It says, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom of Israel at this time? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. He was pointing them back to their assignment. He was pointing them back to what they could control. And I feel as though the church... Jesus' followers have lost their focus on their assignment and find themselves focusing on everything else. We find ourselves with shallow in our faith and living in fear and gripped by anxiety and things of this world. And we're worried about the future and what's going to, to happen and concern what others think because we have chosen to focus on what we can't control. And when we focus on what we can't control, it can freeze us in the spiritual life. But that's the enemy's tool to get you not to be an effective witness so others may know who he is. You cannot control outcomes. You cannot control your responses and you do this by focusing on the feeling of the Holy Spirit and emptying yourself and letting him take control in your life. And then you focus on your assignment to be a witness no matter where he leads you, no matter where you find yourself. The only person that you can control is you. The only person that you can control is you and your reactions to life and people see Jesus or the lack of Jesus by how a Jesus follower responds to life. Being an effective Jesus follower is, is so important to focus only what you can control. I even believe this to be true and this is controversial maybe what I'm going to say, but how long are we going to try and control how the pandemic affects us? How long are we going to live in fear and not live our lives? 
It's amazed me how the enemy uses things from the pandemic to being a Jesus follower to a politics and being a Jesus follower, all these different distractions. We're trying our best to control what happens in life and in all reality, we are not in control. Has anybody in the last few months felt like life was out of control? Look, we cannot live a life of fear. Yes, yes, we can be cautious and, and yes, we can do our best to do our part with this pandemic. But ladies and gentlemen, our churches are hurting and I believe it's because the enemy has weaved his way in. We're okay with going to the grocery store, but not church. We're okay with eating in a restaurant, but not church. We're okay going to the mall, but not church. And I'm all for us focusing on health, and I'm all for us uh, following our leadership in our city, but we must be strong in our faith and not the fear of COVID-19 or the fear of man or the fear of other situations control us because he is in control. And being effective witness means that you must constantly refocus on your assignment and let God do the rest. Being an effective witness means you understand it's an individual mandate. I thought you've never heard that word before, so I thought I'd use the word mandate. Being an effective witness means that we understand it's an individual mandate. Look at verse number eight. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Notice the word you. There is a mandate on every Jesus follower to be a witness. It's easy to get your passion and your purpose wrapped up in something other than your true spiritual assignment. Let me first say to those of you that feel you're not enough, maybe you're in this room, you're watching online and you say, I, I should be a better witness, but, but, but I don't know if I can be. Can I say that we are never enough and the only thing that makes us complete is when we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us in our life so that we can be led wherever he wants us to be led to show who Jesus is in our life. We will never be enough, and that is why he left the Holy Spirit. You cannot compare your life to someone else. It's not about having a degree behind your name. It's not about you being able to talk in front of people. It's not about you having this perfect life without a past. It all works in the kingdom of God when we realize that every one of us has a mandate, an assignment that he has set out, and there's people that are going to cross our lives every day that need proof that Jesus is who he says he is. And we have an opportunity when we put our focus on our mandate that our assignment is to be a witness to Jesus Christ. Your story can be someone's proof to follow Jesus. Maybe you say, Pastor Mark, you don't understand my, my circumstance. You don't understand that I've messed up. 
Well, I can tell you right now where you sit or where you watch or listen to this sermon that at this moment, God wants to restore you to himself. And by this moment, him restoring you to himself and you get up in life again and start following Jesus, that becomes your redemption story. And it brings proof to the name of Jesus. And it brings proof to who he is. And it brings proof to hope and truth and love of who our father is in our life. Some of us need to repent. Some of us make, need to make things right. Some of us need to turn back to Jesus and follow him again. I've been surprised at how some has totally altered their life as Jesus followers because of the pandemic, because of different issues. And my prayer is for this church and for you watching and for everyone in this room listening, it's for us as Jesus followers to understand that we have an individual mandate to follow our assignment to be a witness so that we can prove who Jesus is in this chaotic world. Whatever the situation we have, whatever you're going through, whatever the crisis, wherever you find yourself, good or bad, we have a personal mandate. You know, being an effective witness means your plans are flexible. They're flexible. You know, people that know me know I love to be around people. And I'm spontaneous many times, but people that really know me know that even though I'm like that, I love routine. And when I am in a routine and it's broken, it's hard for me. And being a minister of the gospel, it's really hard because my routine is broken all the time. And so I have to make sure I'm focused that, hey, there is a chance that my routine may be broken today because God is going to give me an opportunity to be a witness. I want you to notice in verse number eight, the last part of it, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It really amazes me how the disciples carried the gospel all over the world. We have the gospel today because of the disciples, a small group of people who God used to spread the gospel through the world. And as we think of the gospel today, when I read these verses, it overwhelms me to think that Jesus' intentions for us to be witnesses all over the world, but when everyone is fulfilling their assignment, to be a witness, it can be done. If you notice the start of the first church in Acts, it started in Jerusalem. Then it kept going to the ends of the earth. Why? Because people were faithful to do their assignment by being a witness. As I was telling you about my routine, I even plan where I'm going to go if I run errands and I was running errands uh, this last week, and it was on my, what I call my study day, and I was, had this sermon on my mind, and I had, Lori had asked me to pick up something at the store, and I was over by the Kroger that, if anyone knows me, I don't like, the Kroger on Olio, with a very bad parking lot, the worst parking lot in Fishers, Indiana. I didn't even prove it. I mean, they just redid the curbs in the parking lot, and the store's like three years old. 
And when she told me she needed something, I decided to, I guess I'll go to that Kroger. And I already had an attitude because I had to go to that Kroger and I knew I was probably going to hit a curb. Anybody hit a curb? Tell me online if you hit a curb. And not only did I hit a curb, you have to walk 10 miles to get to the front door. I feel sorry for people who are handicapped in the handicapped parking because they still got to walk five miles to get to the store. So not only did it break my routine, I also had to go to the Kroger that is not of God. <laughs> I went in and I went to never forget cash register station, whatever you call it, number three. I got what I needed. I hardly looked at the person doing the cash register. And as I was walking out, I felt someone say to me, good job being a great witness in there, Mark. I ignored it, and I got in my Jeep, and I sat in my Jeep, and it was the day I was writing the sermon, and, and I just felt the Lord telling me, you need to be a better witness, even at the evil Kroger I sat there for a moment, I got out of my Jeep, I walked back in, and the lady that checked me out was checking someone else out, and I interrupted and said, excuse me, ma'am, I need a moment of your time. She looked at me like I was crazy. I thought for sure security was going to come. And I just said to her this, I said, ma'am, I, I need to tell you I'm sorry. I wasn't very kind to you. And I apologized for that. And I was so nervous telling her that, I walked away. <laughs> you say, Mark, how, how does that help you with your assignment? I believe that everybody we cross paths with, it's an opportunity for us to show proof who Jesus is, even in the midst of the moments you don't like, even in the midst of the moments where you find yourself going somewhere you never thought you would be going on that day, we have an opportunity for a smile. We have an opportunity for a thank you. We have an opportunity to show the peace and love of Jesus Christ by being a witness in our everyday life. I don't think there's a greater example to this church than Paul and Susan Fernand. Paul and Susan used to attend this church for many years. Paul and Susan are missionaries to Ecuador. I'll never forget Paul telling me his story about accepting Jesus as his Savior. And he was telling me the story of his daughter was reached, invited to church in Hamilton Hills. And he did not go to church and his daughter became burdened about his spiritual life. She would try to invite him to Hamilton Hills and he would push her off and he was a runner. And I don't understand how you can be a runner in this state with this weather. Come on, somebody. He was a runner and he told his wife, Susan, if she can keep up with me running, then I'll listen to her and go to church. And there were several times she ran and she would come home because she could not keep up with her dad in the distance and she'd be frustrated, even crying, till finally Susan, if you know Susan, she is a voice of reason. And Susan went to him and said, Paul, come on. So they decided to come to church here not too long after they started going. Paul received Jesus Christ as a Savior. He received Jesus Christ as a Savior and, and he started becoming a witness. 
He worked in Fishers for many years. He became a deacon here, and he, he served this church. He went on many missions trips, and there was a time he went on the missions trip to Ecuador. And, and that missions trip, God got a hold of Paul's heart and told him, I want you to come to Ecuador and be a witness. Paul quit his job and moved his family to Ecuador. He did not speak the language. He did not have a Bible degree. He never preached a sermon. But he felt God telling him to leave Jerusalem, fishers where he was serving, and go to the ends of the earth. And so Paul obeyed what he thought was God's command. And he's been there 10 plus years serving Jesus in Ecuador. There was something that really shocked me in this story. And we had just been ministering to a city that is so uh, in trouble with uh, distress with food and water and living. And, and they, were, they were by the coast and we put our feet in the water in the ocean. And he was telling me the story and then he proceeded to tell me because I asked him about retirement. And he said he was two years away from receiving early retirement when he moved to Ecuador. I went, Paul, what made you? You could have waited two years. That's what I was thinking. I mean, no one would have thought anything for you waiting two years. Why did you go ahead and do it and not finish out so you get early retirement? And he looked at me with tears in his eyes and he said, because God would have known I waited. God would have known I waited. And the money for retirement was not worth me waiting. Your story may not be as extreme as Paul Fernand and Susan Fernand's. But now for several years, they've served Jesus. And if you ever spend a week, my favorite mission trip, and I've been all over the world, my favorite mission trip is to spend a week in Ecuador with Paul Fernand. You want to know why? Because there's nothing like it, because he never preaches a sermon. He loves on people, and everywhere you go, someone knows Paul, and someone is shedding tears because Paul has changed their life, not through a sermon or a house but through him living a life, a witness of who Jesus is. Being a witness in Jerusalem, his city, fishers, like Jerusalem, caused him to go all the way to the ends of the earth. And every Jesus follower would understand that though you may have plans today, and though you may be working on a career, and though you may be working on life, I want to tell you and remind you that you and I as Jesus followers already have our assignment set as people who follow Jesus. And that's to be a witness wherever we go. When you keep in mind that being an effective witness is your overarching assignment, every day your focus becomes less about a geographical location and more about being a witness wherever you find yourself to be. So when you decide to let the Holy Spirit control you, you let go and just follow and let him lead. And go where he wants you to be, even if it's the Kroger you don't like going to. Even if it's people who would not be your friends. 
Even if your Jerusalem is a co-worker that battles you every day, even if it's a job you want to change and you wonder why God hasn't moved you yet, even if it's in life of people who you feel that are your enemy, everyone you cross paths with needs the proof of who Jesus is. And when you and I are an effective witness, you become the spiritual answer for someone. And we can't save the whole world, but we can try and save our world. And no doubt that someone is in your life that needs proof of who Jesus is. So what about you? Do you find yourself shut in? Do you find yourself disappointed in life because of COVID-19? Do you find yourself in a divorce situation? Do you find yourself as a student frustrated? Or is everything okay in your life? No matter your circumstantial state, God has given all of us an assignment. And if we focus on the one person that keeps crossing our paths, then we fulfill our assignment to be proof of who Jesus says he is. You know what I felt God speaking to me this week? On Saturday, I took Haley my youngest child, my daughter, and I took her to Kroger. I think it was Saturday, I think it was Friday, Friday night. It was like 8 o'clock at night uh, because we were craving a snack. And Haley looks at me and goes, Dad, you're going to the Kroger you don't like. And I find myself being convicted to me to go to the Kroger I don't like to cross paths with the same lady again as much as I can to let her know of proof of who Jesus is. And that's a silly little example. But in your life, who is a part of your life that needs your witness, even though it's frustrating and even though it takes you out of your way and even though it causes you a little pain in life or a lot of pain in life, our assignment as Jesus followers is for us to be the proof of who he is. And just maybe, just maybe today, God's calling you back to focus on everyone going that your assignment is Jerusalem, Fishers, Noblesville, Carmel, Indianapolis, Zionsville, Fortville, wherever it may be, wherever you're watching or listening today, who are you to be a witness to? I want to do something to end this service and those online, you're going to participate too. I'll share with you instructions. But a couple years ago, we started this one board to my left. And I don't know if you can see it online, but the one board to my left right here had a bunch of names till last week. You see, people who go to this church, they would put names on this board, and we prayed for, and we wanted them to know who Jesus is as a witness. The man who came up with this idea is in heaven. He was the chairman of our deacon team, and I one day was saying to him, if every Jesus follower would take serious one person that God put in their life, to show proof who Jesus is. That would make a difference in our society. That would make a difference in our country. That would make a difference in our homes.
If a student in this room would decide there's another student they, you may not get along with or you may get along with, I don't know what your circumstance is. Maybe there's a shut-in. You think there's no purpose for me. The purpose is to be proof of who Jesus is and you can contact people and whoever you come and cross with. I don't know, whatever. Whatever the case may be. An ex whatever it may be, a parent. And he got a hold of this, and so he said, why don't we do a board where people write their names on it? So this has become something in our church. And this is how I want to end today. Is there one person God has put on your heart and mind right now? Is it someone where you routinely frequent a store or a restaurant? Is it someone in your home? Is it someone that uh, you do life with? I don't know. But here's what I want you to do. We have chalk up here. and We have people that are disinfecting it every time someone uses it. We want to be safe. And we debated back and forth, but I just said, we're doing it. Because I believe it's a visual that we can all pray for and we can all share in the burden together of one person coming to Jesus. So here's what I want to do. Whoever is on your heart and your mind, a neighbor, a spouse, a coworker, a friend, I want you, as they sing the song, House of Miracles, to write their name on the board. And here's what we're going to do in the room. Uh, Pastor Matt will help you and Pastor Randall. We want you to go one direction. So even if you have to line up along here, given enough space, and enough room, and then walk around back to your seat while the song is being sung. And those online, here's what I want you to do. If you're watching this now or later, I want you to DM that name and we're going to write it on the board for you. You can start DMing now the host online on all platforms. And together, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put those names. Once you put the name on the board or you type in that name on your computer, your phone, or wherever, I want you to screenshot it. Or if you're in here, I want you to take a picture of the name. After you take a picture of the name, I want you to text one to this number, 317-680-5410. Text the word one. And they're going to send you a graphic of the one. And, and it can be a screensaver. It can be somewhere where you put it on your phone or on your computer or wherever it may be. Or you can do it on social media to remind us through this season to stay focused on our one assignment, someone in our life that needs proof, needs an effective witness of who Jesus is. Would you stand to your feet with, with me? And here's what I want to do. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for those of you online right now. I'm going to pray for those of you in the room. If we focus on one person, everyone going, everyone realizing you are a witness to someone, that is our assignment for church. And when we focus on our assignment, then comes the unity, then comes the commonality, then comes everything we need to be a church that impacts the community and the world when we focus on our Jerusalem, whoever that is. So let me pray. And someone's going to have to start this online. Someone's going to have to start it in this room. Someone's going to have to start it. Who that name is you're thinking of. Jesus, I pray right now that you would compel us and move us by your spirit. 
that we would be mindful of the people we see every day of our life. And though our flesh wants to react a certain way, Jesus, I pray that we would show who you are. I pray for the names already written on the board. I pray that you would work in their hearts and their lives and that you would ascend an effective witness to give them proof of who you are. I pray for those that are standing before me. I pray for those that are watching online that we would realize that everyone, everyone is important in the body of Christ and that we would focus on our assignment today. And we're going to give you the glory for what you're about to do. In Jesus' name, amen.